Yo, what up? This is D-Knight, and you're listening to the Pardon the Insurrection podcast. We're back with the Pocket Pardon episode for you, of course. It's been non-stop insanity, as it tends to be, every single goddamn day. I don't know. Like, I'm not entirely certain I can keep this up through the entirety of an election year at the rate things are going, because it's just off the rails. But, of course, before we get to all of that... Let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Sheets and Giggles. Make sure you pick up a, a set of wonderfully sustainable, but equally soft and comfortable and cool and relaxing sheets from SheetsandGiggles.com. They are the shit. I kid you not. Once you get a set of these things on your bed, you will throw away your crappy cotton sheets forever and ever for an eternity. Ah, man, because these are that amazing. You won't even want to take them off the bed, throw them in a the wash. And just be like, oh, they're so comfortable. I don't care how dirty these are. I'm just going to stay in them forever. <laughs> or at least that's how I feel. I'm going to still wash mine. But anyway, so as you know, it, there's been endless political developments over the course of the last few days. Like Hunter Biden testified behind closed doors yesterday, which was absolutely fucking insane. If you've had a, the opportunity to view some of the transcripts. He was tearing into Republicans left and right. I mean, this whole impeachment inquiry is probably dead or at least it should be dead based on the fact that they're, well, <laughs> the fact that Republicans haven't presented any facts and Hunter Biden is tearing their asses a new one, especially about his qualifications to be on the board of Burisma and knowing that he was on the board of numerous companies and the fact that um, any potential allegations that President Biden was involved in any of his business activities is it is totally unproven, if not totally false. And the details uh, that Hunter provided about whether or not his father was actually involved in any sort of meetings or whatnot appear to be pretty mundane, like a couple of phone calls as he was meeting um as he was meeting with other members of the World Food Program USA, which is a nonprofit that feeds like, you know, tens of millions of kids every year. It's just, you know, they don't really have anything. And they're coming up snake eyes. And he's also hammering them on their lack of concern with, um, you know, the idea that even as Donald Trump was running for president, uh, his son-in-law, who was working in the White House, who had a classified security clearance, was was um, flying halfway across the world to meet with other uh, leaders and heads of state in the Middle East. And then voila, after leaving office, he receives like a $2 billion payout. Why aren't you guys concerned with that? They don't have any explanation as to why they shouldn't be. And here they are doing their best to dig up dirt on Hunter Biden in an effort to impeach President Biden for political reasons. I mean, you know, Look, I get it. You got to do what you got to do to try and win these elections. But this is fucking absurd, um, especially considering, you know, a number of witnesses that the GOP was trying to use to impeach President Biden are either foreign agents or are fleeing the law or are currently incarcerated. And are also <laughs> Russian assets, apparently. And that is in direct reference to Alexander Smirnov, who's uh, I think he's sitting in a jail in California uh, awaiting his pretrial hearings, um, considering that the Department of Justice has asked that he be detained until trial, given that he lied about the amount of money 
that he had in his bank account saying it was, I believe, $30,000 or something of that amount. And it turns out that he has close to $3 million, <laughs> which is it's just a wild, a wild, wild number. It's like the reverse Trump, where Trump's shit is worth like $17 million in Mar-a-Lago. And he's like arguing on his financial statements that it's worth like $1.7 billion. It's fucking mess. <laughs> Yeah, but also he has a number of contacts with foreign intelligence uh, officials. <laughs> it's just a number of issues that make this dude a flight risk. And that's why DOJ is like, hey, bro, uh, we got to keep this dude in jail until trial. It's entirely possible he's going to flee. Uh, like even in one of their previous filings um, in an attempt to get a California judge to detain the guy after um, I think it was a magistrate judge in Nevada was like, oh, it's okay. We'll just let the guy out. Um, just to f- even they like they alluded to the idea that even his lawyers were attempting to help secure his release in order to aid him fleeing from justice, which is wild. <laughs> it's bananas. It's a whole fucking spy movie right here. And then the fact that this guy's their star witness and he made up all of this supposedly damning information about President Biden taking bribes. It's, the Republicans are continuing to rely on this shit. It's bananas. It's bananas. Well, I mean, I guess they're not trying to rely on it considering, I think, that the what House Oversight Committee had previously had the information that they received from this individual's transcripts or his 1083 forms where he provided information to the FBI. They had put that, they had placed that information on the website uh, where they're publicizing uh, some of the elements of their investigation. And, and that information upon the discovery that Smirnoff is practically a Russian asset, they deleted that. <laughs> like, rut roll. <laughs> rut roll. Yeah. So. I mean, you just got to keep a lookout for these guys. They constantly operate in bad faith. And if not bad faith, potentially damning uh, conspiracy to use disinformation provided by Russian intelligence services to remove sitting presidents. It's crazy. It's beyond bonkers that like the major mainstream media and talking about that is. Well, and look, it's nothing I can do about that. All I can do is try and put out these podcast episodes and inform you of a few of these developments and hope, you know, eventually these things come to their logical conclusion. Yeah, also, so talked about this previously, but uh, Trump filed a notice of appeal in the New York civil fraud trial saying, hey, judge, you know, I got this hundred million right here that I can secure a bond for. I know it ain't the full out, uh, full amount. Can you hold up all on these collections? And the judge was like, nah, son. Where that money at, homie? And that is largely because New York state law requires that in these these kind of uh, civil suits that if the defendant loses upon appeal, they have to post the full amount of the judgment plus interest for obvious reasons, you know, because if you could just appeal the thing forever and never have to turn over any money, that would that would harm the movements in these cases where the defendant you know, should should they have sufficient funds to pay legal fees could just delay things indefinitely and this shit would never be, res- uh, it would never come to a resolution. 
But clearly, he doesn't have the money to appeal these multiple verdicts in New York. Uh, but a lot of people have been talking about the fact that, uh, what is it, the SEC, I believe, the Securities and Exchange Commission, approved the, the merger of Trump's true social company uh, with the SPAC, Digital World Acquisitions, that was um, set to basically take true social public, which given the amount of shares that Trump owns in the social media company, it would probably net him about three or four billion dollars in net worth should this merger take place now obviously everyone's assuming that hey he can cash out take these three billion dollars and do whatever he wants with it it's not quite the case there's practically a six-month hold on any of the shareholders of the social media company from the date of the merger uh, preventing them from selling any of their shares meaning that if the deal takes place you know late March, early April, uh, we'll just say April 1st, you know, the earliest he'd be able to cash out on some of his shares would be October. And then that's, you know, <laughs> that's assuming a lot. Like people have juiced the value of this back, uh, based on the fact that they know it's going to be merging with Trump's company. And like, <laughs> it's basically GameStop at this point, it's a beam stock. And there's no way that over the course of the six months, of you know these shares being publicly traded that the values that the value is going to remain uh, at the level it is and even if it you know is still worth billions of dollars by then um, the fact that Trump would be trying to move massive amounts of shares uh, in order to cash out would cause the value of the stock to drop which would mean he would get less and less for every for every share that he sold <laughs> Which means he would eventually take the company by trying to sell, you know, 50, 60 percent um, of the shares of the company. Uh, it's the it's the Elon problem, right? He went into massive debt to fund Twitter or fund the Twitter purchase debt that was borrowed against a massive number of shares uh, in Tesla. But he also sold a massive number of shares of his Tesla stock uh, to fund the rest of it, which therefore caused the value of Tesla stock drop significantly. So the same thing would basically apply to Trump uh, trying to ditch shares of Truth Social in order to fund his lifestyle or his legal fees or his campaign or the civil judgments. Like he would get diminishing returns on each share after selling them off because the stock price would drop. And even then, like what good is that going to do as far as these civil judgments go? Cause he's going to have to come up with that money damn near immediately. Uh, we're almost uh, a month away from the E. Jean Carroll decision, meaning that she can start collecting fairly soon here. And we're only a few weeks away uh, from Letitia James being able to show up to the financial monitor of Trump or work saying, Hey, where's the cash at bitch better have my money. Like she Rihanna or something. And if he ain't got the money, she can be like, all right, what hand over them buildings, yo. And then considering that, I would imagine, given that it's a real estate company in New York, like all of the assets he owns are probably underwater as far as having loans and liens placed against them, meaning selling them off. You know, Trump would have to pay taxes on that capital gains tax. And then would also have to take whatever proceeds are left and then satisfy those loan agreements. And then whatever was left 
would be used to satisfy these judgments. And, you know, if he happened to have any cash left over, then I imagine that would be returned to him, of course, you know, coming up with half a billion dollars. Probably not going to get any cash back in his pocket after all this shit is liquidated, I would imagine. So, yeah, he's a long way off from uh, the true social merger saving his ass. <laughs> he's a long, long way off from that. And I, I guess like if the only potential way that he could get out of it is if this merger goes through and he's able to take out a, a massive loan against the value of the shares, which, you know, given that he's basically unable to do business in the United States uh, as far as um, financial institutions go, probably not going to have the easiest time doing that. Of course, I guess it's possible. Maybe some of you know his foreign collaborators could come to his aid, but again, it's that's not going to happen overnight. Probably not in time enough to save his ass from Tis James in New York. He can try it though. Now, as far as the legal jeopardy he's facing is concerned, um, you know the Supreme Court has basically stepped in and guaranteed that, barring some unforese- unforeseen circumstances, his DC. A coup trial. It's probably not going to happen before the election. And it's just basically scheduling at this point. Like the Supreme Court deciding that they were finally going to take up the issue now instead of in December when Jack Smith asked to just leapfrog the D.C. Court of Appeals. That practically ensures we don't, that we won't get a decision on that matter until, you know, June. <laughs> if we're lucky. Um, and then there are some ways that they could delay it even further by not coming to a conclusion and, and sending it back down to the D.C. Court of Appeals for more fact finding, which would definitely delay the trial until after the election. But even if we get the ruling in June, like the scheduling of the D.C. trial is just so up in the air, considering we have Judge Aileen Cannon down in Florida doing everything that she can to block the D.C. trial from taking place. Like now that there's been a delay in D.C., She's willing to reschedule the May court date for a later date. Um, I think Jack Smith and company are asking for early June. Um, of course, Trump's lawyers are like, hey, can't we just put this off to after the election? And I think what Judge Cannon is going to do is, given the fact that we know for Chuck in to hold the trial in D.C., that it will probably have to take place sometime in September or October that Cannon's going to schedule her trial for early to mid-September, blocking out that date for Judge Chuckin, and then proceed to do as many things as possible to delay um, all of the pretrial proceedings so that the, the Florida documents case won't be able to go to trial in September or October either. And then as we get close to the trial date, she'll just move it again, having effectively blocked Chuckin from taking that date as well, pushing all of Trump's trials Minus the New York City hush money 2016 election er interference case until after the 2020, the 2024 election. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so you can take my opinion on that scenario playing out with a grain of salt. But uh, me being a regular fucking dude, if I can figure that out, then the Supreme Court definitely understands what the fuck is going on. Right. So their decision to like uh, take up Trump's appeal on presidential immunity like 
even the decision is fucking insane. The decision to even take it up for a ruling is fucking insane. Like, you could let this sit. Like, let him go to trial. If he wants to peel it after trial, great. The Supreme Court will be right there. But they're like, nah, let's put a, let's effectively leave this stay in place, delaying the DC trial indefinitely. And they can look at the schedule and they can see, just like I can see, that the odds of this taking place before the election are practically 50 50 and then once the election happens you know it's basically a 50 50 chance that trump wins and if trump wins this trial is never going to happen now what the supreme court is going to say hey you know the the important merits of this case and its effect on like what the office of the presidency is like this is super important it merits our attention well damn you can't say this merits our attention but also that like you're willing to take this on a schedule like that delays the trial which is of actual importance until after the election where there's a scenario where it won't take place like you can't have it both ways like it can't be super important meritorious argument that needs the full attention of the supreme court but also like the real world implications of the actual election aren't super important like pick one guys so obviously they're in the bag for trump or at least enough of the justices sitting on the Supreme Court. I, I imagine it would, it took at least four or five to grant cert on this issue. Um, they're in the bag for Trump. Now, how we got here, like the fact that they can be so blatant about it. Well, they dipped their toe in the waters just a few weeks ago when they were hearing Trump's, where they were hearing Trump's appeal to his removal from the ballot in Colorado, where they basically came out in front of everyone and told y'all they ain't running with this they're gonna put trump back on the ballot it was pretty obvious and apparent that if you had the opportunity to watch the proceedings uh, as they as they were broadcast that they were super skeptical of this idea that trump could be removed from the ballot based on uh section three of the 14th amendment even though the plain text says hey if a motherfucker out here um committing insurrection or giving aid and comfort to insurrectionists after he's taken an oath to office dude is up out of there but surprise surprise you know when it's inconvenient they don't give a fuck what the text of the constitution says so they dip their toe in in going full trumper and and because no one in the media in the public because no one was outraged because they faced no backlash whatsoever they were like fine cool fuck it (laughs) like if we're not gonna if no one's gonna like sound off because there are no consequences for us do whatever the fuck we want and here we are you're likely not gonna get your your trump coup trial Uh, the most important criminal prosecution in the history of the united states is going to be delayed uh by a couple clown show, well, like by a clown show and Judge Roberts and Alito, uh, Clarence Thomas, whose wife is a fucking co-conspirator, and I'll get to that in a second, and and three other dudes that were appointed by Trump, and they're gonna fucking get away with it because apparently, you know, there's no one in the Democratic Party that's a, elected a member of Congress, and I'm I'm talking to you, Democratic last Senate, like where's the Senate Judiciary to? you know request formally request Clarence Thomas recuse himself from this shit but alas this is the situation we're in these are the cards we're dealt where do we go from here 
What is Jack Smith supposed to do? Well, obviously, he's refocused his efforts on making sure the Florida trial, uh, Florida case goes to trial before the election. Probably not going to work out. What can he do? Well, I talked about this as it happened when the indictments were unsealed in D.C. One of the things Jack Smith probably should have done was include Jeannie Thomas's coup emails with the fake electors and John Eastman in those documents. In that way, he would have preemptively precluded the Supreme Court from like stepping in and taking this case for Trump. Like that probably would have done it because then it would have been like too hot to touch. But he didn't because he made this thing as streamlined as possible. Um, so what what like what available strategies does he have to make sure the Supreme Court doesn't get away with this bullshit? He could subpoena Jimmy Thomas. I feel like that would effectively end their interference in this. Like it would be such a fucking headline that it'd be impossible. It'd be impossible. They just <laughs> like, I don't know what the course of action they would take from there would be. They'd probably just have to let the ruling stand. You could also file a superseding indictment, including those emails and text messages in the indictment, which again would effectively lead to the same situation. Besides just standing pat and hoping things at the Supreme Court play out in such a way to leave him enough time for Judge Chuck to schedule the trial before the election, his other option is to just give up entirely on the idea of getting the January 6th trial to take place before November. And instead, going full throttle, indicting all of Trump's co-conspirators, whether that be the fake electors or the members of Congress who were involved with that plot or or the January 6th war room attendees who helped coordinate all this shit. You know, the people that no one ever talks about anymore, that the press just gave up on investigating. I don't think they asked any fucking questions about that. Like all those people and all of the individuals that Jack Smith continued to investigate since dropping these indictments last year, because that investigation never stopped. He's still been at it. So he knows a lot more than whatever information is publicly available, even more so uh, than what the January 6th committee might know. And he can drop a massive indictment of all those people and he can release what is known as a speaking indictment where he puts where he puts an extraordinary amount of of detail about the crimes that took place and the criminal plot it makes that publicly available so that the nation has access to the truth before they make their decision on who to vote for in November and you know from what I've seen of the dude's work he's always prepared he's always thinking ahead he always has a plan B and a plan C and I'm sure that's one option that he's sitting on I just know one thing we can't afford to let him jack this off. Got to pull the trigger on something and make sure we get some accountability for people who tried to overthrow our government before they have an opportunity to get back into office and end our democracy. And that concludes this episode of Pardon the Interaction. <laughs>